Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly. Well, again, I'm Paul filling in for Carmen, so I guess technically it's mornings without Carmen again today here on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening on the second day of Lent, and hopefully you know that we'd love you to join us in reading the Bible together during Lent. You can sign up for the free study at MyFaithRadio.com. The focus during this Lenten season is on the various disciplines of the faith. But many of these are disciplines Jesus himself followed, and we can walk in his footsteps. The focus, well, starting yesterday and through this coming Tuesday, is fasting, which is something I've done a fair amount in my life. I mean, I started doing that as a kid because that's what my family did. And then even afterwards, it's something that has been important to me as going through various struggles. And I found that it's important to have a purpose behind the fast as well as a plea Now, if you're following us not only on the study but also the accompanying podcast, there's a Lectio Divina podcast that just dropped today. It's focusing on Daniel 9, 3 through 9, which I tell you really illustrates this whole purpose and plea idea that I just mentioned. I'm actually going to back up a bit and start at verse 1 of of Daniel 9. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Azuerus, who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. We were just talking about that last hour because in the midst of that and afterwards, there's that uh, our Growing Your Faith verse of the day, which you just hopefully heard here on air. Anyway, back to what Daniel wrote. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Oh, Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commandments. But we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commandments and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are right, or you're in the right, but as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of us all, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel scattered near and far where you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. O Lord, we and our kings and princes and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But but the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. Well, okay, if if Daniel knew the promise, why was he fasting? I mean, he, he could have just, uh, you know, oh, good, God's going to fulfill it. No, Daniel lived in this. He had this desire to see the Lord fulfill his promise. He saw the need of his people. He couldn't help himself, I don't think, in fasting. Or even if he could, he didn't want to. He He found it hard not to intercede on behalf 
of his people. Maybe you have a burden in your heart that you're just pleading with God for. Yeah, there's a lot of things that can propel us, like in Daniel's case, to pray and to fast, and I encourage you to do that. Now, sometimes we have this clear promise, as Daniel did, about what God is going to do. But some things are not as clear, but that doesn't mean it's not something on our heart. Things like, I don't know, being married. You know, you want that happily ever after. As a single person you want to marry, maybe you're thinking, if I just get married, I'll be happy, I'll be complete. Why? Because we often prize, dare I say idolize, things like, well, marriage. But what if that goal, that relationship doesn't come, or at least come the way you think it would? Does that mean you're incomplete now, that you're of lesser value now (laughs) on the B team instead of the A team? Let's talk about that with Hannah Schirmerhorn. She's the author of A Single Life to Live. We'll be talking with her in one moment here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul. This is Faith Radio. So are you waiting for something big to happen in your life, a new job, a new relationship, something like that to make you complete? You don't have to wait to be complete. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen on Faith Radio and joining me now is Hannah Shermerhorn. Joining me from snowy Milwaukee this morning. (laughs) Good morning, Hannah. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Good to have you. You live in Milwaukee with your cat Fritz. And yes. you just got a puppy, too. Yes, her name is Shasta. She's a Samoyed puppy who is loving the snow so much. Oh, what? A snow puppy, but that means you get the soggy doggy smell, too, when they come in. <laughs> yes, <which> not... definitely. <laughs> and also, you, you, what, a, what a resume. You're currently an electrical engineer, but you've also worked legal, business, and global marketing. Either you're very talented or you can't hold down a job. <laughs> No, just kidding. I think I'm I'm just trying to figure out what I want to be, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Well, you're also the author of A Single Life to Live. Stop waiting for your life to begin and thrive where God has you today. That's a hard thing for us to do. I mean, okay, you, you're talking about singleness, and you were so close to getting married, and yet what happened? Yeah, so in college, I was dating someone for basically all of college. We got engaged, and then just a few months before we were supposed to get married, I found out some things that just made it so that we couldn't move forward with our marriage. Um, So I was really bummed, but just a couple months before that wedding, we had to call it off, and I was thrown into singleness, and it was a place that I never thought that I was going to have to live in again. Mm. And and that's hard. I mean, you had that hope. Now, that was some years ago. And since then, you you had to move through, I guess, the stages of grief uh, to some way. One way it really hit you was in your identity. And I like in the book, you kind of, you you walk people through the idea, okay, what are you identifying yourself with? Who makes, well, who makes you you? Who makes Hannah Shermerhorn, Hannah Shermerhorn? And you had this list of your abilities, your family, your relationships, your intelligence. And then it's almost like at the same time as this happened with your ex-fiance, other stuff just kind of fell apart, didn't it? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When the relationship was broken off, then my grandpa died. My mom got cancer. I actually went blind in one of my eyes. Mm. It was just a lot of things that were all happening at once. And pretty much everything that made me feel like this is why I matter was just suddenly taken away or it was shown to me that these things could go in a second. And then who do I think I am after that? Basically, I had to realize that all I had was God, but that was enough. And that was what I needed as my foundation because anything else can be taken away, but God can't be taken away from us. Yeah. And that took a lot of wrestling because, okay, you're going through all this grief, all this breakup and all these different phrases. I like how you said you finally came to the, I'm done with this phase. <laughs> yeah. And you really, you got to that point of why God? I mean, that, that's, that's the scream, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I had to wrestle with that for a long time. And that's when you started noticing the bachelors and bachelorettes of the Bible, which mm-hmm. I think are so helpful. And, of course, you start with whenever you're talking about our identity and we talk about our identity in Christ. Do we really understand what our identity in Christ is? But that's where you had to start with bachelor number one, Jesus. Yes, yes, definitely. And for me, the biggest thing that really changed my mindset on singleness, because I was super upset about being single, and then years later, all of a sudden, I was very happy and I was still single. But the key person that changed that was Jesus, and it was basically realizing that my identity wasn't in my singleness. I wasn't the person who wasn't chosen or lonely or you know all of those negative things associated with singleness. I was someone who was loved by God, loved by Jesus, who died for me who cares about me, who has plans for me, who's always with me. So that just totally changed everything for me. Well, we're talking again with uh, Hannah Shermerhorn. She's the author of A Single Life to Live, Stop Waiting for Your Life to uh, Begin and Thrive Where God Has You Today. And yes, I do have a few copies to give away. So if you'd like to get in on the drawing, maybe you want to read the book yourself or you know somebody who's struggling and would be helpful, maybe one of your kids. Well, Text the book right or text the word book right now to 877-933-2484 and we'll get you in on the drawing. When Hannah and I continue here after a few moments, okay, our identity of being loved by God is not a static thing. It leads to something else. And so that's where we want to go next as we continue our conversation. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Never alone there. You aren't. You're, You're loved by God. Hey, I'm Paul. Filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio and talking right now with Hannah Schirmerhorn, the author of A Single Life to Live, Stop Waiting for Your Life to Begin and Thrive Where God Has You Today. And Hannah, as we just talked about, it starts 
by understanding our identity as loved by God through Jesus. But from there, it, it, you don't just hang there, which is what I like. Because really, as, I'm, as I, I looked at this book, Hannah, I'm going, okay, you're, you're addressing the issue of singleness, but the principles underlying this really speak to our broader Christian life. When we have our identity in the wrong place, our, our core in the wrong place, it's hard to move forward correctly, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So from there, you know, once you found your identity in Christ, as you're saying, now the singleness isn't the big burden. It's still a burden, but it, not the burden it was. And it was because of that, and as you were studying the different bachelors and bachelorettes of the Bible— it propelled you through things like loneliness. Now, who was the uh, who was the biblical bachelor who helped you with the loneliness topic? Yeah, Jeremiah was the one who helped me. And wow, what a story Jeremiah has. Mm-hmm. So he was supposed to preach to the people and tell them that they needed to repent because they did not have their hearts going toward God and they're doing all sorts of crazy things. Um, so Jeremiah was not liked by the people around him because they hated his message. And he basically went through everything from solitary confinement to his hometown trying to kill him to them putting him in a well to just kind of sink into the mud and die. Uh, so he had experience after experience where the people around him were rejecting him and making him feel so lonely. But despite going through all that, he was able to say, the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So I read that story and I was like, man, he is going through so many worse things than I am possibly going through in singleness. I'm experiencing rejection and ghosting and all of those kind of things, but it is nothing compared to the extent of what he is going through. So how can he say, God is with me like a mighty warrior and I can't say that? Um, So I really had to open up the pages of the book of Jeremiah and examine what he was doing. And what he does really well in the book is he goes to God and he says, hey, this is how I feel. This is what I'm dealing with. He says things like, why was I even born to have to go through all of this? And then he, you know, kind of struggles with it with God and is able to come to that answer of God is always with me. And then he was able to face everything that he experienced and continued to experience for the rest of his life when he felt so lonely or would he, when he would normally feel so lonely, he knew God was with him. Again, we're talking with Hannah Schirm, uh, Schirmerhorn. I keep st- I keep struggling on <laughs> that nice great. German name there, Hannah. Come on. You're anyway. doing great. <laughs> but Hannah's the author, again, of A Single Life to Live. Again, we have a few copies we're giving away. So if you want to get in on the drawing, 877-933-2484. Text the word book to that number and get in on the drawing that way. Okay, so you work through loneliness, waiting, oh, baggage. Um, what uh, bachelor or bachelorette helped you on the baggage front? Yeah, Hagar was the one that helped me here, and she had to go through, you know, potentially being forced to have a child. Um, We don't know all the context. There's not a ton of details in the Bible that tells us, you know, how she felt about it, things like that. But she eventually um, was in the desert by herself and just upset about what was going on, and God told her to go back to the source of where her pain came from, to go back to the people that caused all of this. And that's not a blanket statement that we should all go back to the people who hurt us, but I think it is an important lesson of we need to deal with the things that have happened to us. We need to at least address 
address them because otherwise they can just come back to haunt us, especially in the times that, you know, we don't want to deal with them. And the thing is, as long as we have that foundation of, you know, our identity is in God, God is with us, all of those things, then we have him working with us and working through everything. So we have so much more comfort in going through them. It's never easy to address baggage, but we have God who's in control, who is with us in the experience, who is with us in every moment, who cares about us, is going to help us through it as well. And then you continue on again, you know, go through the baggage, singleness, choice, time, community. Oh, that is one of the hard things I, I hear a lot of singles in the church talk about because they see their friends get married, they start having their families, they're off doing their thing, and you're just kind of, if anything, you're 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 the uh, the fourth wheel on a tricycle. Yes, and it yes. just, it, but you still, the community of the church is important. And there's a bit of give and take on this. We could go on talking about, you know, how we in the rest of the church can can deal, you know, not deal, but invite um, the singles into more fuller relationship with everything. And anyway, we could talk about that. But I want to get back again, these bachelors and bachelorettes who really help guide, guide you and guides this book very nicely. So when it comes to community, who is it that really spoke to you? Which bachelor or bachelorette? Yeah, it was Mary Magdalene. And she had, it was interesting because she had a whole bunch of demons in her first in her story. And then she's always surrounded by community later in her story. So it's kind of interesting that not one demon, but like numerous demons Mm -hmm. were in her. And then she's also known later for always being surrounded by people. So I feel like there's just this community theme around her. Um, And no matter what she was doing, she had people with her to serve God, to uplift each other and God's words, things like that. So she was a very cool example of here's someone who's gone through, first of all, something horrible and terrible that I can't even understand what that would be like. And then she uses community to really uplift and be encouraged herself, but then also to serve other people as well. Mm. Then you go on through there through a purpose and serving. <sighs> okay, let's let's get to the purpose one because that's where a lot of people struggle. You know, why am I here? What am I, what is God calling me to do? And mm-hmm. yet again, who spoke to you in that from the Bible? Yeah, Nehemiah was the big one. And Nehemiah was helpful for me even writing the book because, you know, as we talked about, I had done a lot of different things. I went to school for electrical engineering. And when I had the idea to write this book, I'm like, that's not what I'm qualified to do. This isn't (laughs) what I went to school to do. What am I thinking? So thankfully, the book of Nehemiah showed me that, you know, this cupbearer to the king had a dream placed on his heart to rebuild Jerusalem, a dream that God had given him. And he pursued this dream, even though He didn't seem qualified to do it. Like, why would he be a builder if he's the cupbearer to the king? But he went after it. And as he did it, you know, God brought the right people to him to help him with this dream. And then when he did rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, people started coming back. And then they started opening up the pages of scripture and repenting and praising God. And just all these amazing things came out of it. Something that, you know, maybe seemed very crazy of, oh, I'm just going to go rebuild this city. And I'm not a builder. (laughs) I'm nothing like that. So to see his story and to see how Nehemiah took that dream, pursued it, and then God just had so much good stuff come out of it. It made me realize personally my own story of, okay, I have this dream. I should pursue it and see where God's going to take it. But I think that's true for everyone. Um, And I know for me, I kind of had a thought in my mind that was a whisper and just grew louder and louder and louder to start pursuing. But I think I've had other things too, where 
it's not so loud or maybe it's just something, um, as I've heard say, what is something that breaks your heart that you can do something about? What's a cause that you can support and just Mm -hmm. start pursuing it? Because if you have that on your heart, God can make so many great things come out of it, even if you have no idea where to start or what to do with it. Well, Hannah, I got to tell you, I mean, like I said, going through this, I saw the progression of God working in your in your life through these people. Is there, you know, as one has gone through divorce and not when I wanted it, mm-hmm. it, it, I, I, I so resonated with a lot of what you said because you had the dream that got shattered, and yet in the end, God pulls you through to something beautiful. But it started again with centering on your identity with Christ, which I really struggled with. But since then, not as big a struggle. It's, it's, it, it, I. I, again, I resonated with a lot of what you uh, mentioned here. So, again, thank you for joining us on Mornings with Carmen. Again, A Single Life to Live, the book by Hannah Shermerhorn. And you can uh, you can call, or rather not call, but text the word book to 877-933-2484 if you'd like to get on the drawing for the handful of copies that we have. You might get one of them. So, again, Hannah, thank you for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Again, this is Mornings with Carmen. Up next, Breakpoint. This is a Hope you spend some time in prayer today for a college near you, maybe your alma mater. It's the Collegiate Day of Prayer. You can learn more about that at collegiatedayofprayer.org. Um, you know... With what's been happening lately is the last few weeks, starting in Asbury, spreading to some other colleges, potential revival. We are so hoping that this is the move of the Spirit on this young generation. So now would be a great time to uh, spend time praying and fasting for this next generation and praying for the colleges they go to. So you can actually go to the website, again, collegiatedayofprayer.org. They uh, have the opportunity there for you to adopt a campus in prayer. Again, maybe your alma mater, maybe the uh, college one of your kids are going to, or grandkids. Collegiate Day of Prayer, by the way, also tonight at 7 till 9 Central, live from Asbury, they're going to have a special prayer webcast. You know, I'm, I'm kind of going, this is, this is an important thing, because Gen Z, the college-age kids, they're growing up in a confusing world, leaving them anxious, depressed, confused about so many things, including the topic of love. And here we are still in February, the month of love. So how does a Christian college help students better understand what love is in all its forms? Well, Dr. Corbin Hornbeek, the president of the University of Northwestern St. Paul, Faith Radio's parent organization, will join us here in three minutes here on Faith Radio. Exciting and more confusing, <laughs> which it can be, especially when it comes to our younger generations. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio. And I have uh, Dr. Corbin Hornbeek, who is the president of the University of Northwestern, joining me right now. And thanks for trudging through the snow in snowy, the, twin, the snowy Twin Cities to come in. It is uh, beautiful out there. I know uh, a good swath of America is under some kind of a winter warm, uh, winter storm warning. warning or yep, and blizzard warnings. Like and blizzard all warning, ice warnings, all those mm-hmm. kinds of things. So yes, glad uh, for everybody to be home and be safe. But it's great to be here in the studio with well, you this morning, Paul. It's cl- I'm glad you came in. I'd rather yeah, do this face-to-face exactly. than over. 
over Zoom and such because you know this. Uh, you know this people isn't... people worry about the Californian. Uh, I was going to ask the, you out about on the that. Streets <laughs> this morning. I know. So you know when they when they closed campus yesterday, I think that was mainly for me. I, I think they basically <laughs> said we know we don't want Dr. Hornbeek on the road. Let's let's just close the entire campus and everybody will be safer. And for what that. do you do? You come in anyway. I come in anyway. You're yeah. Well, in... there's nobody else out on the road, so you know well, the worst there's... thing is that I end up in a ditch somewhere. Well, there is that. Okay, I got to ask you. I mean, okay, you were in Michigan for a while. We they were. get plenty of snow, but and, then how many years were you out in California? Well, we were there for 11 years. Okay. And uh, so that's long enough to learn, you know, forget how to drive in, in snow, if you will. Uh, we lived in Colorado for uh, oh, 10 years yeah. as well. So, <laughs> plenty of you snow. know, we, we do kind of know what we're doing when it comes to snow, but it's... You know, we're kind of newbies at this again. It takes a while to get used to it again. Even it after a summertime, you know, you just it takes a while to get used to it. I remember that. that first snow here in uh, in the Twin Cities October. back in October or yeah. November. And everybody was in the ditch. Uh, not me. Uh, you know, I was driving about five miles an hour, but it seemed like everybody else was in the ditch. So we do forget, I think, in the Twin Cities how to actually do it after a beautiful summer, right? Uh, we do. We do. Well, let's turn our attention again. February, the month of love. And Oof. again, kids are confused about love. I shouldn't say kids. Gen Z, which yeah. that's the main core of, of college students right now. I came across a study called Love Constructs, um, uh, Constructs Among College college students a religious explore, exploration sounds kind of nerdy <laughs> exactly. stuff the opening line is, is this the concept of love for most young people has become superficial for the young love is equated with being kind toward another person considered a response to a feeling or attraction or is manifested through sexual intercourse yeah. and then i also shared an article with you that this was from collegiate magazine college students define love and just a couple of them Aaron said, I believe that there isn't a definition of love because a person, because personally, when I think of someone I love romantically or platonically, I could be, I couldn't, I couldn't give you a reason why. It's just a feeling. Or Courtney, who said, I think love is different for everyone. It's something you either have felt or haven't, and you don't know what it is until you've discovered it. I feel that the relationship I'm currently in is going to last a long time because I have that feeling yeah. of love. Yeah. You've okay, you've been around college age kids for how many years now? Uh, a long time and a we long. have uh, we have three of our own. So That's true. Yeah, we've we've lived it both in terms of our ministry and work and calling, but we've uh, also are right in the middle of it with three of our kids who are 20 somethings. So mm-hmm. we see all of this unfolding um, before our eyes. I think you know, there's so many, you know, how do we deconstruct this? How did we, yeah. how did we, if we, if we were to reverse engineer how we got from where we are <clears throat> or where we are now to, <clears throat> excuse me, where, uh, where we should be, mm-hmm. um, the question is, how did, how did we get here? And that's a right. difficult one. I'm sure there are lots of sociologists out there who are, are, are working on that, um, so when you think of the social media phenomenon, mm-hmm. um, it, there are all kinds of things that have been uh, brought down to this really low con- common denominator, mm-hmm. things like friends. What does it mean to be a friend? friend? We don't even know what friendship looks like or is anymore, so how can we possibly know what uh, what love is? I, I kind of back up and think, okay, now where did the kids go wrong? Yeah. Where did we as their parents, yeah. grandparents, go yeah. wrong? Um, and I even, I even look at, you're right about the whole friendship thing. You, you watch a lot of cartoons of the past, how many years, a lot of the shows these kids yeah. watch and friendship is really defined 
weirdly in some of these cartoons. I mean, yes, you want to have friends, but then it's just kind of ooey gooey. It's mess. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. C.S. Lewis wrote a great book yeah. uh, that many of our listeners will be familiar with uh, called The Four Loves. And he he has a whole chapter on friendship. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, friendship um, friendship is a lost art. He, he kind of describes friendship as, of the four loves, the, the one that's not needed, if you will. Uh, you, you don't need friendship to reproduce, if you will. You don't need friendship to... Um, uh, to have a family, uh, it's not required in a sense. And so he describes it as uh, one of the most important of the four loves because we choose to be in friendship. We choose to be in relationship. And by choosing friends, uh, we're also choosing who's not going to be our friend, if you will. So there's a there's a specialness to the whole idea and concept of friendship. Um, very, very few people today, Paul, have someone in their life that they would call a genuine friend. And I'll, I'll say maybe more women uh, have mm-hmm. uh, friends than men. Um, it's very difficult to build uh, deep and genuine friendships. It takes time. Um, it takes, uh, you know, shared interests. Um, C.S. Lewis had a, had a group of friends, and they were called the Inklings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Inklings uh, were this group of, of men uh, they were writers. Um, they critiqued each other's works. They laughed. They challenged each other. Oh, did they ever? Uh, very, very, <laughs> in a very deep way. They were they were brutal with each mm-hmm. other. Uh, but they were lifelong friends. And out of that friendship, uh, you know, you have people like J.R. Tolkien, mm-hmm. uh, uh, C.S. Lewis. Uh, they made each other better. Uh, they refined each other's work. They refined each other's ideas. Uh, they challenged each other. They they were uh, critiques of each other's writings. Um, but out of that lifelong friendship uh, grew some of the most amazing literary works uh, that we have today. No question. As a matter of fact, I just finished watching last night, since it's on Netflix again, the uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh. So, and yeah. even though I know they really skin you down to get it into three movies, right. there's still so much of Tolkien that uh, yeah. bleeds through. And Well, I think this whole conversation about love um, and friendship, uh, there's so many facets to it. And we know mm-hmm. that friendship, we know that love is, is so complex. I mean, uh, the, the um, John in, in the scriptures describes God as love. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a central characteristic. That's a central attribute of mm-hmm. God of, uh, through which and out of which all other attributes and, and characteristics of uh, that that we know and we understand to be uh, who God is flow from that central concept of love, and so it's in some ways it's something we're going to wrestle with and challenge ourselves with for the whole of life. Uh, but it's also easy to uh, to just water it down, right, mm-hmm. and uh, and not make it something very special. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I wanted to get to that because a lot of people take that well, God is love, and you know it's you God is love. Let's flip that phrase around. Love is God, and that's not necessarily – that's exactly. not the case. Yeah. And that comes comes across as so confusing in many ways. I mean, remember some years ago there was this one pastor who had out the book Love Wins, which theologically it was very problematic and mm. casted yeah. God in, in the whole concept of love in a very strange sense. And then if you go back a few years with, uh, you know, when Obergefell was ruled mm. and gay marriage and what was the big chant? Love wins. I mean, that phrase love wins has been, again, one of those that's been abused because people almost idolize 
the their concept of love, yeah. and yet it's it's not what God had in His concepts of love. Tell you what, uh, when we come back, I want to go through some of the other C.S. Lewis because it was not Excellent. just the friendship love. That's right. It's called the four loves. The four loves. Where he talks about uh, you know parent or affectionate love. Yep. You talk about um, we talked about friendship love, eros, as well as agape because right. that's the one that binds things together in yeah. a beautiful way. So we'll continue this conversation Great. as uh, mornings with Carmen continues. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen. This is Faith Radio. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand, no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. Helping our young people, our Gen Z generation, understand love better. That's hopefully what what we're doing here at the University of Northwestern, which is the parent company to uh, Faith Radio. I'm Paul, filling in for Carmen, and uh, Dr. Corbin Hornbeek, our president, is with me right now as we are looking at helping students understand love during this month of February. Uh, We're talking about um, C.S. Lewis, and he has a book out, a really good one. It came out of a bunch of talks he gave on the BBC back in the 40s called The Four Loves. And there was a phrase in there, uh, Corbin, that just kept coming out at me. Because we talked about, okay, people say God is love. Well, then love must be God. Well, C.S. Lewis's response to that is when love becomes God, it becomes a demon. Yeah. And that, I think, is pretty much the case of what's happening in our world today when things like Eros especially has become a, a person's God, their identity, and it has become their demon. Exactly. And so when we think about the concept of love, we have to understand the culture that we're living in right now. The culture that we're living in uh, and that our young people uh, have grown up in largely is a, um, is a culture characterized by incredible uh, self-absorption. Mm. We, are, we are a self-absorbed society. Uh, we're absorbed with how many likes we get on our social media. We're absorbed with uh, how people see us uh, on our social media. Uh, we're absorbed with our feelings. How do you feel about something determines whether something is right or wrong. And so, uh, this is the uh, this is the payback, if you will, of of relativism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, living in a relativistic world and relativistic culture where truth is what you determine it to be. Uh, what that means, you work that all the way downstream. Love is what you determine it to be. Right. Uh, friendship is what you determine it to be. However you decide to uh, describe love or determine love to be based on your own self-absorbed um, feelings, mm-hmm. uh, if you will, uh, is, is where you end up with with love. So as, as a campus and a campus community, I love being on a college campus. I, I absolutely love being on this college campus because I think while there is uh, an incredible influence of culture, I think there are also young people in this world uh, that deeply, deeply desire more and mm-hmm. believe that there is more and that God has more uh, for them in this world. So, you know, as we, uh, at the University of Northwestern St. Paul, um, we begin with the idea that, uh, that we are to be formed back, if you will, uh, reformed, perhaps, <laughs> into the image of God. Uh, the image of God is he originally created us and designed us to reflect his image, to reflect his design Trying on to hit us. that reset button, you know, That's on, on your right. phone to get it That's back right. to original settings. That's right. Um, so we call that, you know, redemption. Uh, yeah. The great 
the four pillars of you know creation, fall, redemption, and then one day God uh, Jesus will return and be yep. back with us. So we're in this time of of, uh, of redemption, and part of that is redeeming everything that we understand about who God is. And letting that and allowing that through the scriptures to shape our understanding, a proper understanding of, of who we are. And that uh, has a huge application to relationships. So not just because we talked about uh, uh, friendship, love, and romantic love, eros, and phileo. Phileo. Yeah, yeah. phileo. But there's also, okay, you have storge, which is parental affection or family affection. Yeah, affection. That uh, grows actually goes beyond family, but it starts there. Yeah. And even, I mean— do our families really understand that right now? Yeah. Do you? Because yeah. I, I see a lot of families struggling. And, you know, you mentioned the divorce issue. Yeah. How many of our students come from broken backgrounds like yeah. that? <clears throat> many, many of our kids and students come from broken homes. Um, I came from a home where divorce was um, uh, part of my experience growing up. And so I, I have a personal experience understanding uh, divorce and the impact on uh, on families um, when when we take our marriage vows what does that mean in today's world uh, we say uh, till death doeth part um, marriage for a lot of people is death I mean there's there are a lot of people <laughs> who are in such unhappy marriages that um, that it feels like uh, they're living but dying um, so there is such a deep need to reclaim uh, this understanding uh, and the richness and the breadth of love. When we reduce love to eros, um, we reduce it to sensuality, we reduce it to images, we reduce it to um, how we feel in that moment. Um, we make all of our decisions in line with that. And mm-hmm. so relationships come, relationships go, relationships are expendable. Uh, what keeps relationships going, and it brings us back to this whole idea of covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, God is in a covenantal relationship with his people, right. uh, a covenant of love. It is not a covenant on a piece of paper that God sort of uh, obliges himself to, but it is that covenant that is deeply rooted in his um, unending, unchanging love for his people. Um, as broken and fallen people, we need to discover what that kind of um, love is that isn't just a, I'm going to stick it out kind of love. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are times where we have to stick it out, um, but really discovering what it means to be in covenantal love uh, with other people. And as uh, C.S. Lewis would talk about that covenantal love, that, yeah. that agape, that yeah. divine love, he, he said it wasn't just God's love for us, yeah. but then as his people, it becomes something that empowers us as Christians and loving fellow Christians especially, right. but just the world. Yeah. So, again, we, we tend to uh, misinterpret so many aspects of love because, uh, you know, uh, we know that God loves us while we were yet sinners. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ died for us. God expressed his love for us in our brokenness. Uh, we have to learn to express and uh, and. Um, express our love for others in their brokenness. But in today's world, oftentimes that means all-out acceptance. And so that means we uh, <clears throat> we um, accept all forms of sinful behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the challenge for us as Christmas uh, Christians uh, is to learn how to love people as God loves us and yet also seek this redemptive work in our lives, knowing that, that God's love 
um, doesn't stop at acceptance. Mm-hmm. Uh, God's love empowers us to change. God mm-hmm. loves God's love through the power of His Holy Spirit, uh, which dwells in us, uh, empowers us to become different, a different kind of person. In that becoming of a different kind of person, we learn through the course of life. Uh, how to love other people in their brokenness, how mm-hmm. to journey with other people in their brokenness, how to help and point them and direct them toward uh, God's transforming grace and his love in their lives. Am I wrong in saying then, uh, Corbin, that instead of just accepting the sin, yeah. you're bearing with it, you're bearing it yourself yeah. in a sense because you love the person, but you're also, like you're saying, God, yeah. as he empowers us to overcome these, we're yeah. hopefully... As we're trying to be agents of redemption, helping the world overcome. Yeah, I, I love um, uh, the fifth chapter of the book of Galatians when Paul talks about the the fruit of the Spirit, this whole transformational work of the Holy Spirit in our life that produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, all mm-hmm. these things that we could never actually produce in ourselves right. if, if, we, if we tried. And then right at the beginning of chapter 6, Paul says— uh, bear one another's burdens. Um, carry go. carry your own burdens, uh, if you will. Be responsible for your own life, but then come alongside and bear uh, the burdens of other people. Um, it brings us back, you know, full circle in some ways to this whole idea of friendship uh, and companionship and relationship with mm-hmm. people. Um, I look back on my life. Oh my goodness. The, the people who have come alongside and poured themselves into my life, who have, uh, who have corrected me, who have shown me grace, but who have always challenged me, pointed out blind spots in my life, pointed out my sin, um, my own wife, my kids. Um, I remember at one point, uh, our, our middle son, I think he was probably five or six years old, he, uh, and I think I was being pretty hard on him, from the backseat of the car, he said, Dad, we're kids. We're not supposed to be perfect. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, what he was experiencing was uh, the corrective you know, the corrective hand of his dad uh, without a lot of love and uh, with very little grace. Uh, so at one point, at one, in one way, he's right. In another way, he's wrong, right? <laughs> As kids are. You could just got to accept that right port, portion right. at that moment. That's right. Uh, okay, real quickly, how do you feel like Christian universities and colleges like Northwestern are doing in yeah. redirecting kids, redirecting Gen Z into a more fuller view of yeah. all the loves? <clears throat> you know, say if I'm, and, if, and say that in one minute or less. Exactly. So if I'm <laughs> if I'm being really honest, I'll say, Paul, we have a lot of work to do. Mm. Um, we do have a lot of work to do. We are we live in culture. Uh, we are surrounded by culture. Um, the call is to be different from culture, but also to be engaged in culture. And so that is always going to create in us, you know, this this very complex environment that we're uh, that we're in. So I think we've got a lot of work to do. I will also say uh, I think we have a very bright and hopeful future. This generation of young people wants to change the world. They do. They, they do. They are not sitting back. Uh, in their chair, uh, just taking what comes at them. Right. Well, Corbin, thanks again for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Okay, I referenced the book by C.S. Lewis, The Four Loves. We'll have a link in their show notes about that. Plus... 
there's a series of doodle videos based upon those talks that C.S. Lewis gave um, gave when he was on the BBC. So we'll have that in the show notes. I'm Paul. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.